Yeah. Hello and welcome back to the Couch Sheets Podcast. My name is Ryan Parker and I'm joined, as always, by Matt, Sageburn, and Chamberlain. How's it going, Matt? Um, pretty good. Pretty good. I just, you know, I'm obviously a big basketball guy, but well, in, intense playoff football, Ryan. Just get the adrenaline going since uh, basketball kind of, you know, just midseason. That was fun, right? No, absolutely not. Football is dead to me. The sport doesn't exist anymore. It's it's all a scam. Uh, Gold broke your heart. Yeah, the 49ers. If Jimmy G wins the Super Bowl, I, I'm swearing off the NFL forever. I'm getting out of every single fantasy league I'm in. I refuse to play the game. Uh, anyways, uh, if you didn't know, I'm a Packers fan. For those of you listening, and the Packers lost 13 to 10 to the San Francisco 49ers after coming off a bye and being number one seed in the NFC. Just another disappointing year. It's a decade of disappointment for the Packers. That's that's all I can say. Man, if only you had a, a basketball team to compensate for that. I know. It's like if I had a good college football team to compensate for that too. <laughs> uh, anyways, my sports teams are a wreck and have been for I don't know a, a, a little bit, a little bit. Uh, and Matt, one of Matt's sports teams is a wreck right now too. And we'll get into that on on this podcast because we're an NBA podcast. Matt, we're here to talk about the NBA. We're not here to talk about Roger Goodell and his shenanigans and how Jerry Jones hasn't paid him enough yet. To win a Super Bowl, um, fix the stadium first. <laughs> gotta raise, gotta raise the, raise the jumbotron. Um, get, some, get some blinds for those windows. Yeah, he probably also needs to get uh, figure out uh, n- not Mike McCarthy as the head coach, <laughs> but that's that's neither here nor there. Either. We'll talk about some coaching later on. Not Mike McCarthy, but we'll talk about some coaching later on in this pod. I would be. Uh, we could do a whole podcast on how incompetent Mike McCarthy is, but that's a, that's maybe an off season podcast. Uh, before we get too far into episode 131, uh, I'll remind everyone to follow us on Twitter and check us out on Instagram. Um, follow us there. And it, if you haven't already give us a rating or review on the podcast platform of your choice, that would greatly help us. And we appreciate that quite a bit. Uh, Matt, what did people miss in episode 130? So we had the Camp Reddish trade um, finally get on the court with the Knicks now, too, this week. Um, I love that Tibbs just wouldn't let him play, like, right away. That was great. <laughs> um, uh, as he went to the Knicks in a little deal there with the Hawks. Um, and then we talked about buyers and sellers um, of the upcoming NBA trade trade deadline, and then we had our league pass teams. So Ryan uh, had the Nuggets. You're currently watching the Nuggets too. Is that I am. Oh, it is. It uh, is. Austin Rivers just got a steal. The Detroit Pistons are a dumpster fire. Well, um, sitting twenty three and twenty one. Uh, I like your little note here, Ryan Jokic for MVP. It, uh, I, I mean, just watching the man put up a 49-point triple-double and capping it off with a just dime to the corner to Aaron Gordon to seal 
seal the Clippers fate in that uh, game this week, past week on Wednesday night. Um, that dude, I, we talk about it all the time, but that dude plays like he should, he's a like 35 year old white dude at the y, local <laughs> YMCA. And he's just incredible to watch. And he's, I mean, all the advanced stats and all that stuff, but all of these, like this lineup, if you switch like LeBron and Jokic this year, like who has better record? And I know that's like, you know, whatever. LeBron is a great player and all that stuff, but it's not like LeBron's or uh, Jokic is playing with a bunch of um, super talented dudes. They're essentially role players who are being thrust in the starting job because of how many entries the Nuggets have sustained this year. And it's just fun to watch. He's a fun player to watch. I might argue the Nuggets have a better roster than the Lakers, considering the Lakers don't have AD right now, but not really what we're here for. Anyway, yeah, that passed to Gordon the other night. Just a dime. Chef's um, kiss. Just there's, I mean, what, like him and LeBron can make that pass? That's about it, right? Like, I mean, I'm maybe Josh Giddy. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But yeah, those, there's like two or three dudes in the league who maybe can make that pass and make that read. And just right in the money, you know. Mm. Anyway, uh, so I had the Hornets sitting 26-21, um, three and one this week on an easy schedule. Um, went over my Celtics, and they are included, and makes it an easy schedule. Um, did drop one uh, to the Hawks today. Uh, couldn't go four and on the easy schedule, but still, Hornets sitting pretty in the East. Um, while a, actually well above 500 record in the East doesn't uh, make you a top four team like it does in the West. Um, Hornets still sitting pretty good. Um, they should feel really great uh, at the end of this week. It's going to get harder, but you got to win the games that are in front of you. Definitely did that this week. Absolutely. Um, time for some news, Matt. You ready for some news? Let's do it. We had a trade. We had a three-team trade. The Boston Celtics were involved and the Spurs oh. and Denver Nuggets. Uh, so Boston in the trade got Bulbul and P.J. Dozier. The Spurs uh, got Juancho Hernan Gomez in a 20-28 second-round pick uh, from Denver. It's protected from number 31 to 33, so some light protection there. And then Denver gets Brent Forbes, so they get get another shooter who can kind of play off the bench for them um, as they've been searching for um, sign of, kind of some bench pieces. It's kind of an interesting trade. Do you, what, is, what is this? I mean, there's some good stuff for the Nuggets there. The Spurs kind of do right by their guy, even though they signed him this offseason. Uh, what are your kind of takeaways for, from this trade? So I'll, I'll run down this list. Boston. We're just desperately trying to get under the tax. That's mm, all. Mm. So, uh, Hernan Gomez uh, made you know about three million more than Bobo and PJ Dozier combined. So, Boston one step closer to getting under the tax, which still about three million away from doing. Um, I, I told you, um, I don't know if we're on the pot or not, but I suspected Boston would do this once they mm. realized they weren't a contender this year is just to get under the tax line. Um, so I bet that's coming one way or another, uh, whether it's a, a dentist trade or something else. Um, we're definitely on that path, especially considering Dozier and Bull are out right now with injuries and significant injuries at that. 
Um, Spurs, I mean, I personally like Wancho hurting Gomez. I think he's actually kind of useful. Boston definitely didn't know how to use him. Um, so, sure. Like, I, I think he's a very Spurs type guy. Pop would like him. Uh, and then Denver, I, I do wonder, like, is Bryn Forbes really that valuable? Like, I, like, again, Dozier's hurt, Bowles hurt, the 2028 second round pick, like, who really cares, I guess. Um, we talked about this last pod because Bobo did get traded last pod too. And then he got untraded. Um, <laughs> he failed the Pistons medical, which the Pistons will take just about anybody, Ryan, you and me included. <laughs> Bobo didn't pass their physical. So I, I think this is more of a statement of Bobo just had no value. So uh, cool for Denver. Yeah. Got someone who can actually play um, for him. So that's cool. Well, I kind of wonder also, like, are we – is this mean, like, is Denver gearing up for a playoff run of some sort? Like, because they went and bought Brent Forbes, right? They weren't selling necessarily Bull and Dozier, even though D- Dozier, when he has played for them, has been good. He's I, out with torn ACL, though. Yeah, he's been – and he's not going to be a, any asset this year. I kind of wonder if, like, they think they can get – Murray back maybe later this spring and then um, Michael Porter Jr. back that they feel like they can make a run and maybe this, you know, Brent Forbes is a nice player. He helped the Bucks in their playoff run to win a championship, mm-hmm. right? So um, Maybe a Jeremy destination in Denver? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Like, it's kind of it's kind of fascinating, you know? Um, They've been able to stay as good as they have been. Obviously, as you know, I've been watching them a lot. Yeah, I mean, they're top six right now. So they're, like, for sure in the playoffs, which, like, is kind of surprising for given their what they've had to work with roster-wise um, and who's been in and out and, you know, dealing with COVID stuff. So super impressive by Denver. I, the Spurs, it, I don't know. It's kind of confusing. You bring in Brent Forbes and then you trade him. Um, what I mean, what does that mean for – what does that mean, you think? Just- did they think they were going to be better than they were and like Brent Forbes would be useful, you know, or maybe like, was it, they thought, okay, we just need like good role players around our young guys to help them develop. Like DeJounte Murray needs a floor spacer next to him, Mm. you know, like that kind of a thing. I, I don't know. It's also very similar. Like what the Celtics felt like they were doing when they brought in like Horford again. And we're like, we're running this back. Like, do we really need to be doing this? And, like, Horford's better than Forbes. You know, right. different players, different positions, whole bit. Like, I know. But it's like, this is really necessary. Like, do we really need to do this? Uh, I don't know. I don't know what their motives were. If they thought they were going to be better than they were, or if it was just, like, to help Murray out. I don't know. You know? It's yeah. Like, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's just a fascinating thing when you stop to think about it. Like, you really – you brought in this guy and then, you know – six six months later you're trading him away um but i mean they yeah. got some really. stuff back for him so it's not like a complete loss i mean you probably flip hernan gomez again maybe but it almost makes you wonder like okay that you know four million dollars they spent on forbes or however much it was could you not have like took a swing on like another dude like maybe like clearly the spurs are like not good right 
Yeah. Right. And maybe this is like one of the first moves of the Spurs. Like, all right, we're going to bottom out and try to rebuild. And maybe they just wanted to do right by their guy and get him in a spot where he could be winning again. I think that's probably at least that last bit along the right line of thinking there. You know, I'm. it's not it's not often I'm right. So I'm going to take it. Move on to the next piece of news. Uh, Paul Millsap and the Brooklyn Nets agreed to part ways Kind of eventually, there's no, nothing immediate. I think it's kind of like the uh, John Wall situation in the Rockets. They're going to look for a trade partner, or if the trade deadline passes, maybe buy, get work on a buyout of some sort. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's been if, – if, uh, if you looked up in the dictionary, washed up, Paul Millsap's picture would be right there. I, I – was humored by the reports that said he's looking for to go to a different team and have a bigger role. And I was like, what? Like, are, what role do you think you should be having Paul Millsap? I, have we been watching the same Paul Millsap that he's watching, like in film room? Like, he, like what is happening? He's like, he's like, thinks he's like watching himself and it's like, or he thinks he's watching like himself and it's really like, oh, it's Kevin Durant. Like, do you, did you get mixed up? Like, I, yeah, this is, <laughs> like 15 mid post touches a game. Like, is that what you want? Like, did, did he, has he like watched Blake Griffin be like, yeah, I can contribute more than this guy. So he wants a bigger role. Is that the bigger role? I don't, where, where are you going that's going to give you the ball more? You know, like what young bad team is like, oh yeah, let's bring in Paul Millsap to give him the ball like 20 times a game. The Rockets, like what they take. I mean, they did that with uh, Kelly Olynyk last year, right? Kelly Olynyk's still good, though. Yeah, I guess that's true. That's true. Uh, that's a fair point. Shoot, Paul Millsap, like, can't really. So, I, what, d- does he want to go to like Indiana? Like, they, they would like him there. But, like, what are you doing, Paul Millsap? Do you want to cha- win a championship or not? Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of the thing. I, that's a surprising thing to – I mean, the Lakers might take him at this rate. Who knows? As Chuck says, it's a bunch of old geezers out there in L.A. So – But he would fit right in. Uh, moving on to the next piece of news. Uh, the Nuggets bring in Boogie Cousins on a 10-day contract. Um, so that's – I mean, he's playing right now. Uh, he looks like the Marcus Cousins from a couple years ago. So that's – He wasn't bad for Milwaukee. Yeah, he doesn't like he's physical. He play. I mean, he plays physical. He gets a couple of rebounds. It's not like he's going to be that all-star caliber player anymore because of the injuries he's sustained, unfortunately. Um, but you know, he could be a nice backup big if you can find the right spot and right system for him for sure. Yeah, just a few minutes. He doesn't need a ton of minutes. Yeah, like ten to twelve. He can get be a stopgap for someone for sure. Yeah, just like. Three minutes a quarter. Yeah. Sick. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's cool. We'll list off some injuries here to round out the news. Uh, Kevin Durant is out four to six week, weeks with the MCL injury, um, MCL sprain. Um, Paul George out indefinitely with elbow injury after initial three to four week timetable was not long enough. Alex Caruso breaks his wrist via Grayson Allen's dirty play and is out eight, six to eight weeks 
Uh, Lonzo Ball is also uh, out six to eight weeks and is undergoing knee surgery. Uh, and Bobol, your boy Bobol now has foot surgery and is out eight to 12 weeks. Man, oh man, the Bulls sustained some, have sustained some serious injuries here uh, in the middle part of the season. And that's been really unfortunate for them. The KD thing piece is a bummer. He is M- MVP caliber type of player. Um, but do you have any like major takeaways from any of these injuries? Um, the two you just mentioned real quick, the Bulls worried about them falling off, like not out of the playoffs, obviously, but like worried about them falling off. Defense is already starting to slack with Caruso has been out with COVID. Yeah. So you now with both of these guys out, like you got like Javante Green left to play defense and that's about it. Uh, <laughs> so I'm worried. I'm worried that they might fall to like the six. Which yeah. Is still fine. Um, but I'm worried they're going to fall. Uh, Brooklyn, from a pure basketball perspective, probably very glad they brought Kyrie back a couple weeks ago. Uh, I mean, him and James Harden kind of saved them the other night. Uh, not saving them tonight against uh, Minnesota, but I get it. Uh, why you needed to bring back for basketball-wise, Kyrie. Right. Um, and it's just enunciates it even more. Um, Paul George, I mean, I think the Clippers should look to be bottoming out. It's probably why they're not going to push this one. So, yeah, like if they're still happen to be good here in like another month, or good enough, maybe you try and bring him back a little more aggressively, but yeah. How often do you think Sam Presti is posting posting on message boards uh, of Clippers fans, like telling the GM to like bottom out? Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't think he's that petty. <laughs> but, well, like, I don't care. Like, like he can go rehab in Maine. The, right <laughs> the Maine uh, Celtics? Celtics, yes. Not the Red Claws anymore. Remember the Red Claws. Uh, so that's it for the news this week. It's kind of an eventful week. We're ramping up to, you know, the trade deadline. So news is going to start picking up more and more. Um, so that's a, that's a, a exciting thing. But we'll we'll talk main topic this week and our big topic this year this week. We're going to be talking about some midseason disappointments, Matt. Yeah, we are. So these teams are either categorized as either too overhyped by themselves or the media, and that's us included because we are, you know, podcasters. We hype up some teams. Matt, we have to start with maybe the team that's the loudest about their disappointment. Oh, it's and, not maybe. And that's uh, that's the Lakers. Talked about in the last pod. We and- did. We did talk about them as a trade deadline buyer, I guess, seller. I don't. How did we phrase that? It was a get off of Russ. Mm. That 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 was it. That was the unique bucket. That's right. I remember that now. Okay. I don't know if we called him a buyer or seller, but just get off of him. <laughs> just, just the stories this week, Ryan. The because, um, yeah. Go ahead. Let's let's. Vogel. Yeah, it's. He's on a game-by-game evaluation basis. Uh, will he have a job? After, is, after getting blown out by almost 40 points to the Nuggets, right? Which is just, if you're having to do that to figure out if this coach is your guy or not, then you have no idea what the hell you're doing as a management. Like, you either know or you don't know. 
like one game is not going to like save his job or like destroy his job. Like, come on. The, so, I, I know the, the personal theory here, conspiracy is that that, that came from the Russell Westbrook or other players camp. Mm. And then, you know what Frankie does? He's like, Oh, screw this next game. I'm benching Russ for like the last half of the fourth quarter. And then I I loved the post-game quote of why did you do that? I, I was going to put the five best players out there um, to win the game. Loved it. Just delicious. And then the story <laughs> comes out, um, like what, later that night, the next day, whatever. Yeah. Uh, Frank Vogel got this approval from management like a few weeks ago, but um, that he could do that to Russ, like to Benjamin the fourth. Frank really didn't feel like he was going to do the best to him, but Frank wasn't then actually benching him because he was still trying to like make it work. And then this is why I think it came from the players or someone in their camps that Frank needs to be out of a job is he's like, all right, screw this. Watch, watch me, uh, do this and i'm going to make sure it gets out that management said i could do this <laughs> just say like i'm going to put the five guys out there that can help me win the game and you ain't one of them i loved it i loved it he could have chosen that to say that such a different way ryan right mm-hmm. as a coach he could have said you know malik was having a really great game um we we felt really good about the chemistry him and lebron were having on the court during that um Pacers game so or whatever it was uh so I just made a you know tough call um but you know for the sake of that game felt like it was the right one could have said that it doesn't more of a like I'm specifically saying Malik was playing well I'm praising him going with my gut um just made a business decision instead he made the very clear statement of these are the guys that are gonna help us win it was, it, 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 you know, there's some transparency there because, uh, I mean, it's like you said, just insane how we don't really get that a lot from NBA teams anymore. Like, we get the nice quote, like you said. Yeah. Like it's, the beat Bush quote. Like, the, yeah. Give you like the most politically correct answer I can give you. You kind of have to listen to a podcast to like get the behind the scenes. Like you have to get that extra piece somewhere else. But Frank Vogel just coming out and saying it was pretty wild. I I can't believe like we have it. We're I want to get into this with you because we talked about it off the pod. Um, but it blows my mind that Frank Vogel's job is on the line because he's having to throw out. Taylor Horton Tucker in big minutes, Dwight Howard in big minutes, like Carmelo Anthony has to like defend dudes. Like why, what are we doing here? Talking about Frank Vogel's job security when we should be talking about Rob Polinka's job security. This is yeah. the dude who put this team together. Like we, how are we blaming the coach here when this roster is a dumpster fire without AD and AD hasn't even played that well this year. I think, that's what leads me to believe even more that the Frank Vogel is the problem is a player's driven narrative because every what national media member, like mainstream media member said like this Lakers roster is going to be a problem. Right. We all said that. And 
I feel like, you know, try and stay really informed, like listen to lots of different former players that talk on the Lakers and stuff. <laughs> and quite a few have said, like, I just thought, you know, Russ is like, he teams up with LeBron and he's finally going to get it. Like it's been all players that have said like former players that are now like media members or whatever that have said, I, I thought it would work. I thought Russ would come around, you know? So that's what leads me to think like current players still think Russ can be a solution, not, a, not a problem. Mm. You know, mm. it's just like, cause I, I really do believe, and I like you as a Thunder fan, like you saw Russ up close and personal, <clears throat> you know, for a decade of like, it's hard not to like root for the guy when he's like one of your guys. Right. Right. Like, he, you know, he's going to be like the big inspirational rah, rah, yell, scream, whole bit guy. Be the energy for 48 yeah. minutes. But you have to have a certain level of skill to back that up. Right. And he, in Oklahoma city he had that, he just doesn't have that anymore. That's the thing is like, he's, it's, it sucks to say that. Cause like, I, I, I'm not like a huge, like, Oh my God, Russell Westbrook's one of the best players in the league, but I like Russ. Like I want to, I want to see his career succeed. Um, but like, like you said, his skills and like his athleticism has declined over the years. So the things that made him special have made him less special now. Um, and he's just not able to get to the rim as effectively. And some of that's this Lakers roster construction too. Like, what are you supposed to do with a, like three centers? And like, if you're Russ, you're kind of one of those centers, right? Like, and it, it, Rockets, Russ is like basically what he should be doing, but they're letting him still be point guard. Right. It's like LeBron is ha- having to like re-be the point guard now, which is fine, which is where you want LeBron. But like as Russ, like you're kind of just standing in the corner. Like the the intent for the Lakers is really when he's on the floor with LeBron and AD, that's when you need him, is to not hold the ball. So I don't know why you're going to get this guy who you know is ball dominant and still can't like it, his skills are not that, you know, he's not an off ball guy. He's not going to relocate and be able to hit catch and shoot threes at an efficient rate. We've known that we've seen that. And to your point, like that's not something you do in year like 15 or year 13, whatever he Russ is in. Like this is how Russ has won an MVP. And so that's what he's going to continue to do. And it's going to be tough for him to readjust. And if he can, I mean, the the Lakers could be really a big threat in the West, but up to this point in the season at the halfway point, we just haven't seen it. I don't know if it's going to happen. It's not going to happen. Like it's, it's not. It's yeah. Not quite- right. The, the Houston bit was the closest we'll ever see to it right where they effectively had him playing the five and but in a way they were still letting him also be a guard because they would just do the pick and roll thing and he'd be playing four on three from the top of the key and distributing from there but like if you have to have a one-man advantage to be able to be an effective guard i guess if whatever you want to call him like that doesn't make you a great guard Right, right. If you have to have a one-man advantage to be able to make the right play, to finish at the rim, do all that. Like, 
like Draymond is super valuable doing that, but Draymond's also super valuable on the defensive end. You know, that's the other piece is he's just been a disaster defensively. It's not just the offensive struggles; it's the defensive stuff on top of it. Yeah, and that's it was so specifically referenced in that article mm. uh, about Russ too from the Pacers game where like all all the time the Lakers apparently scouting report was like take lavert left and just time after time like russ like wouldn't understand his assignments for like either how to defend him on ball or like help off ball um with lavert so i i thought that was very interesting that it was because that specific like nuanced details are never in these articles right it like that had to be like fed to the reporter very detailed very specific right right um i i don't know i just don't i don't know what to do with russ and like frank vogel being a uh hot seat coach is the like if he's coaching from game today game like the next time we record a podcast like he might not have a job because, like, this never ends well. Like, have, do we have an example of where, like, a coach starts coaching game to game and lasts till the end of the year? Do we, have a, do we have a recent example of that? So, like, I don't – I don't know. I don't think Frank Vogel's around much longer. The Lakers lost tonight to Heat. It wasn't a very good game. Made it close at the end, but, yeah, lost. And now they're going to go at Brooklyn, at Philly – at Charlotte, at Atlanta. You you can tell me they go one and three. So if you're going to fire a coach, doesn't it make sense to do it like right at the all-star break? Around there, yeah. So you have that like extended time. I would be surprised if Frank Vogel is the coach of the Lakers after the all-star break. Because they play the Jazz on the 16th of February, and they don't have another game till the Clippers on the 25th. Yeah. So that's a good week, 10 days off, essentially. So they have 11 games left before the All Star break. It's Frank. So, yeah, I guess that's the line 11 and a half games for Frank Vogel over or under. I would say the under. I would take the under. I don't think it's the right decision, but I'd probably also take the under. Like, I don't think it's the right decision for the Lakers. Yeah. I, I mean, the guy won a championship. Like, you know he can get you there, and you know he can coach in these big moments. Like, who's taking over this team? It, like, It's not like Jason Kidd's sitting on the bench right there anymore. No, but you know who they did bring in? David Bisdale. Oh, LeBron's guy. That's right. I forgot. Yeah. I don't. I mean, I, it's not like Fizdale's any like gonna. What is Fizdale gonna do? He's not gonna connect with the rest of any better. He's sitting there right on the bench now. Yeah, I, Ryan, I'm not telling you it's a good idea. I'm just telling you what's <laughs> going to happen. Okay. <laughs> okay, that's fair. That's but fair. like, obviously, like Fizdale's like biggest like success was like the Heat run when he was like an assistant there. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean it's like crazy to think like, Oh, like he's just going to be like the Dwayne Wade of like the Miami heat LeBron Wade era, you know, like that's just like not who Russ is. Right. Like he's not 
going to play that style. Right. Nor is he, honestly, like, as good as, like, a basketball player as Dwayne Wade ever was. So, late in his career. Well, I mean, Dwayne, Dwayne Wade could eventually shoot. Like, that was his thing. That's kind of the thing that prolonged his career. Russ, not so much. He's never been able to shoot very efficiently. No, he's kind of figured out some corner three shooting, but you think he's happy just standing in the corner all the time? Right. No, that's and not. Guys like Malik Monk are like, oh, wow, that guy was like pretty good. It's like, I mean, he is, but I don't. Lakers need him to be really good. Like Carmelo, like they need him to be really good. Right. Because like Russ isn't. Stanley Johnson, like top five player night to night for the Lakers. Dude's on like his second 10 day. Dude wasn't even at the league. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, honestly, he's been like their third or fourth best player every game since they've signed him. It's just ridiculous. So I know AD's been out, but does AD playing make this any better? Um, I'm sure there's like a couple games they lost that they would have pulled out with AD, but AD was not playing well when he was playing. Like when he wasn't hurt, so I think like you would just hope like just reps he would have like eventually like, got out of the slump. So I don't know, maybe there are two or three games they lost they would have won, and I don't know. Do you feel better about that like significantly? Probably not, but like slightly, yeah. I just don't know. Like AD comes back, is he on a minutes restriction? Like what? Like he's had like injuries in the past. Like are are the Lakers conscious of that at all? Um, what's like what's the thing here with AD coming back? Like is it gonna unlock some like amazing offensive scheme? Probably not. He was shooting, I think, under thirty percent from three this year so far. Longest time. Yeah. Um, even like mid range shots, he wasn't very efficient at this year. I don't know. I don't know what you do. I mean, they have to do something at the margins. We keep. I think part of this also, though, like everyone who is like, okay, if this is going to work, was like, AD has to be like the guy, you Mm. know? And it's just not. So AD, um, when he's been playing this year, uh, 18% from three. Yeah. Hold on, say that again. Did you just say 18% from three? 18% from three, yeah. I think you and I could go out there and hit <laughs> 18% from three. Um, effective field goal percentage, he's at um, 53%, which yeah, it's not much lower. It's only like half a percentage point lower than the year they won the championship. Um, so, like, it's not that AD isn't good because he obviously is, but yeah, just the last two years or let's last three years, all LA years, 33% from three, 26% from three, 18% from three this year. And the uh, 33% year was the year they won the championship, right? Sure. Man, oh man. And I think he got up to like close to 40% in that playoffs run. Um, oh, he was ridiculous in that platform because they were running him off screens. And yeah, he was JJ Redick. So I don't know. 
the Lakers compare the Lakers compared to the best team in the West, which is the Suns. They're like miles away from that. Oh, yeah. They are not even close to as good of a team as the Suns are, for example. Um, so I just don't know. I don't know. I don't know if what this Lakers team has got to do. They don't have much cap space. Their trade assets are ex- essentially zero. Um, Jordan Tucker. No thanks. Hard pass. Kendrick Nunn. Hard pass. Any first round pick is owned by the Pelicans in the next like <laughs> ten years. So hard pass on that too. Like I don't, I don't know what you do. I don't know. Hey, the problem, and for the sake of the trade, last thing on the Lakers is if Taylor Horton Tucker isn't a guy for you, like on the court, then he needs to be a guy for you in the trade market. But if he's not a guy for you on the court, then he obviously has no value in the trade market. I don't like, I've watched a couple of Lakers games recently and I forget Taylor Horton Tucker's on the floor. Sometimes he has like one good game every like 14 games and everyone freaks out. And then he goes back to being like, Honestly, like he's like not playing tons of minutes either. Yeah. Like Frank is like not picking him. Like when it comes to like, okay, him or Stanley Johnson, Stanley Johnson. <laughs> just just so crazy. Uh so would you rather have Alex Caruso on this team? Like if you're I know they were gonna have to pay a gajillion dollars and repeater tax, but like you're the freaking Lakers. Get over it and pay your dude. Yeah, just like set up a GoFundMe if you need. But, like, I mean, if we're talking one for one, then I would obviously much rather have Caruso. Would you rather had Taylor and Horton Tucker or Kyle Lowry? Because that, that deal was on the table for the and Lakers last year. Because if you have Kyle Lowry, you also don't have Russell Westbrook. You know, I, I'm not saying that Rob Plink is a bad GM, but I'm also not saying he's a good GM. Mm. And that's – I'm just going to leave it at that. Let's move on to our next team, Matt. The Kings. Yeah, I'm staying in California here. Just the the dumpster fire that I can't stay away from. Can someone get Alvin Gentry a drink, please? <laughs> I don't. Four of them. This team is just like the most bizarre world team. They find ways to lose games that are just incredible. Um, like the. The, the the picks of Tyrese Halliburton trading for Buddy Heald, getting De'Aaron Fox, and now then picking Davion Mitchell. What do you like? What's going on with that? Like, yeah, I I tweeted about that because um, there was like the whole big rumor mill started up, and we know this stuff just starts up around this time of year of like. The Kings are exploring De'Aaron Fox trades. And then it comes out, the Pacers and Kings have had, like, Fox versus Sabonis, you know, based trade discussions. And then, like, the next day it comes out, uh, the Kings have no interest in trading De'Aaron Fox. Him and Tyrese Halliburton are, like, the backcourt of the future for the Kings. And it's like, well, then why do you have Buddy Heald on your roster? Why did you draft a six-foot guard and Davion Mitchell with the number nine pick in the draft. Like, what are we doing then? You know, either Fox is it or he's not. And it's okay to say he's not. But 
you got to commit. Like, is Fox the guy or not? Yeah, this on again, off again thing is so bizarre. Like, I love De'Aaron Fox. Like, I, I've, I think we've both been pro- pretty yeah. public about that. I just don't understand this, like, back and forth. Like, he's had – how many years has been in the league? And every year it's been a different coach. Like, legit. Like, it's – he might be 4-4 four four with different coaches um, or 5-5, four, five five, whatever, however long he's been in the league. And, and it's just, like, a dumpster fire. They can't stay – they're not consistent whatsoever. Um and that's caused him to be inconsistent. Like you, he had a, an amazing three-point year, and then ever since that's trailed off. He's like been borderline all-star. He's not this year. Like I just don't know. Like I think Fox could be an awesome NBA point guard given the right situation. The Kings are just not the right situation for him. Um, so if the Kings come to that decision or he demands a trade, either way, he needs out of Sacramento. Oh yeah, like I don't. I the Kings may not want to trade him, but if I'm De'Aaron Fox, I will. I should want to be traded. Like, <laughs> put it that way. Like, Cause... look at the Demar situation with Chicago. Like, he found the right spot, and now he is like flourishing. Right? <clears throat> like, why couldn't that be De'Aaron Fox? Yeah, I completely agree. Completely agree. He he came in and he had Dave Yeager, right? And Dave Yeager was like the perfect idea for him. It's when one play fast. Yeah. One play fast. Yeah. He shot 37% from three that year. Um, his second year. Cause uh, Yeager was there for his first two. And just, it was like ideal, right? Average 7.3 assists, 17.3 points per game. Just up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. And then, after that came Luke Walton, right? So now he's had Luke Walton for two years. And then now we're off of Luke Walton, even though he should have been fired in the offseason. The Kings kept him like into this year. And now we have Alvin Gentry, who wants to play fast again, which in theory should be a good idea, right, for De'Aaron. But this team is just like, I don't know, unresponsive? Is is, is that how you describe him with Alvin Gentry? Alvin Gentry, like, post-game is, like, what Frank Vogel did every single night on steroids. Like, this dude's like, I don't know what I got to do to get these guys to care. Like, I don't know why they don't take defense seriously. I, it, it's literally, like, the most OA defense I've ever seen in the <laughs> NBA. It's just I, – I think I could get to the rim against the Kings, and I'm, like, just a terrible basketball player. Like a, a single crossover could just like break their entire defense. Everybody, and he's just like, why do we practice and then go out games and just do not what we practice? And it's like how frustrating that must be. Like you have professional basketball players, and this is probably not that this is all De'Aaron Fox's fault, but probably the to me the biggest indictment is like even if he really cares, he's obviously not a leader to get that team to like, Hey, like quit screwing around. Like we're fixing this, you know, we're making the playoffs this year. Yeah. And like the Kings roster isn't bad. Like at least not like their top rotation guys, Ryan, between Fox, Halliburton, Heald, Barnes, Holmes, 
Like, Davion Mitchell's like an NBA rotation player. I personally don't think you should have gone number nine in the draft to anybody, but that's just me. Like, they have some guys. Marvin Bagley's like kind of starting to figure some stuff out finally. I, okay, so like, what are you doing if this isn't working then? Like, I don't know. How long can management let this play out? Now there's these reports like Monty McNair, like, is kind of being told he needs to go make a big trade. So everyone's like, Simmons? Simmons? I, uh, you might have to make that deal. Like, I just say F it and do it. Yeah. Cause I, he might, uh, with all of the things that have been, gone wrong in Ben Simmons' career, he kind of just raises the floor of whatever your floor is. So, like, if you're the Kings, you might be a borderline playing team right now. You might just be there already. Like, get into the play-in might be the ceiling or floor then. Um, it depends on what you have to give up. I think you would have to give up Fox. Um, I like, I mean, I like Fox and Halliburton. I think that's a smart pairing. Um, I just don't know. Like, I don't know why you're hanging on to Buddy Heald then. Like, this has gone on for two seasons. Two trade deadlines. Shooter with Fox. You need a shooter. I, I mean, Halliburton, what is he shooting? He's, he's a pretty consistent shooter, right? Hold up for this year. Last year, I feel like it was better. Let me pull this up real quick. I said it coming into the draft, though. I didn't love Halliburton's shot. Like, and I can admit, like, when I'm wrong about stuff, like, yeah. especially from a draft perspective. Um, this year, I mean, he's shooting 44% on basically five attempts a game. Last year, he's at 41%. Mm-hmm. But, like, Again, still don't love the way the shot looks. Right. Personally, but if it's going in, it's going in. Like, you just got to accept it at a certain point. So, like, is that enough? Like, probably. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't. I mean, maybe. <laughs> um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe Fox in the uh, 76 uniform would be better. Um, the 76ers I mean, do need some more speed on their team. Like, that oh is, my god, that team's so freaking slow. So, I mean, if you're the Kings, like, I would definitely approach that deal from a like a Fox and like Barnes perspective because you need shooting with Simmons. Yeah. So, um, I'd approach it like trying to do Fox and Barnes for Simmons. I like honestly, if I'm the Kings at this point, throw, throw in a pick, just make it like a top eight protected and then like call it good protected yeah just do it yeah i mean if you're the 76ers that might be the best deal available to you at this point right yeah and maybe the sixers like just to make money work like have to throw in like a couple role guys like probably not thibel obviously or maxi but Maybe you can get like Korkmaz and you know someone like that, a couple guys like that, just to help you with your bench if you're Sacramento. But because the Sixers have lots of like weird pieces in that realm, so I, I guess. But again, that just feels like a desperation thing. But the Kings are desperate. Two and eight in the last ten games, including losses at home to Detroit and Houston. Currently, what like thirteen games. 
under 500, I want to say. They're like 17 and 30. Let me double check that real quick. Like, they're bad. Like, they're not, like, in the playoffs at all right now. Yeah. It, 18 and 30. My apologies. 18 and 30. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like as a Thunder fan, I have more hope in this Thunder roster than I do in the Kings. And, like, I think the Kings roster is 10 times better than what the Thunder have right now. Yeah, you know where the Thunder are going. Like, you know what the plan is, though. You have, like, three years to get to, like, where the Kings are before it be a problem, you know? Right, right. But this has been, like, the thing with the Kings for a decade. Like before De'Aaron Fox, like even got there, um, yeah. I mean, I don't know what you do. Like, I, I, I think I talked about it two podcasts ago. Um, how I think if you're the Kings, you kind of have to buy in this year. Like, this is your best chance at making the play in and maybe making the playoffs. So maybe the Simmons trade helps you out long term, um, and could help you this year. But I, who knows? Like, I just don't know. Like this is this team is just continually disappointing. I don't know how you stay a Kings fan because man, this is rough. This is rough. They're uh, currently twelfth in the West. They're uh, half behind game. New Orleans, who started like zero and ten. Yeah, Portland this week has leapfrogged them and is now three games up on them for the tenth seed. Three games. They, they legitimately passed them by the, – the Blazers passed the Kings by four games this week. The Blazers are awful right now. Yikes. Yikes. Let's, uh, let's go to the East. <laughs> I uh, just can't I, – I, that, I, that, I mean, that's how you have to end the Kings segment, I guess. Either – I just tear it all down. Um <laughs> All right, let's go to the Hawks. This is a team that you uh, watched for your team of the week a couple weeks ago, Ryan. Yep. And like it, they're they're a popular watch, like just across the across the league. I feel like they have a lot of games on TV. Do you want to take this one a little bit? Because yeah, I, I could like, lead the discussion here. I had tweeted out about about uh, some of the Hawks woes. They they were playing the Bucks. I think this past week on national television on Monday for Martin Luther King day. Um, I think that was actually a couple weeks ago. Now that I think about it, um, I just, when you watch this team, they're constantly playing four on five basketball because <laughs> if Trey young doesn't have the ball, he's standing at half court. And then when he does catch it at half court, he decides it's a good shot and hucks a three. He's like, under 30% from the, that like half court range. I don't know who's telling him that's a good shot, but it's not a good shot. And for the love of everything that is holy, can we get John Collins the ball occasionally? Like I'm, I feel like I'm a crazy person saying I'm a John Collins fan. That dude's freaking awesome. And he needs to touch the ball more. And the Hawks need to figure out a way to get him the ball. It, that's not just like a pick and roll with uh, Trey and Trey needs to do some figure out a way to move like just move without the ball he needs to watch like Steph Curry highlights for like 30 minutes and can maybe figure out the whole all right I'm gonna 
get a screen from someone, go find the corner. It's just like every shot is really hard for the Hawks. And it's crazy because they have like a top offense when Trey Young is playing um, on the floor. And when he's off the floor, it just turns into a dumpster fire. Well, they have, they actually have good perimeter players. Like between Herter and Bogdanovich and Gallo, John Collins can play in and out. Um, Hunter. Hunter coming back this year and is now like taking guys off the dribble. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing that the Hawks offense looks as bad as it is. Yeah, it's just more I don't know. Yeah, I just don't understand like why like Trey is so insistent on like like he has a great floater game and but when that's going in it looks really great and like when it's not going in it's been really rough. Like that that I, I honestly believe that Bucks win kind of saved their season because before that they weren't playing really well. And I think that game kind of woke them up. There were several games behind below 500 out of the play. And I talked about this last on the last pod and they're starting to creep their way back up the East standings, but they've got to really turn it around to kind of make a push for the playoffs. It's not like you can be 500 and be like the six, seven now in the East. Yeah. Like uh, these teams are, good they're in 10th at 23 and 24 like they got they got to the 10th just this week like they were they were out and i don't 25 right now oh sorry 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 yeah the like you're like the knicks are also out it's not like i just don't like i don't know what you're doing if you're the hawks like i think trey young had a quote that like regular season basketball isn't as in, or as as fun as postseason. Well, Trey, you have to play the regular season to get to the postseason. So, uh, how about you play some defense and don't get hunted on defense and actually decide to be a part of the offense for twenty four seconds of the shot clock and not just eighteen. Yeah, he. <coughs> excuse me. He's again. He was a hard draft prospect. Like really evaluate because you didn't feel like the volume that he had at Oklahoma could hold up in the NBA and to a degree like that's been right he had a great playoff series against Philly last year but any like he's had good season like statistics he has but I don't know watching him it's it feels so similar to watching James Harden when everyone like hated James Harden and it's just like I don't feel like he's he gets enough criticism for it, you know, like nationally. Yeah, got crapped on in Houston those last few years. Trey Young plays the exact same way, except he's not as good at it. He's yeah. I mean, that's a great point. Is like you watch guys like it really does remind me of James Harden. That's a great point. Luca kind of does that to an extent too, um, but Luca is able to navigate pick and roll and he'll relocate i just feel like trey young's never in the play like i was watching a game i was like i'm pretty sure trey young's on the floor and this one the hawks were on offense and the camera was just like cut him out because he was standing essentially at the freaking timeline yeah like you gotta step up like i just don't understand like why this is an issue with the previous coach too like i don't understand how they don't tell him 
go relocate. You're going to find like, go get, go get a screen from someone relocate in the corner. You're going to find an open, easier shot there instead of hucking when it, there's three seconds left on the shot clock from 35 feet. Yeah. I do wonder, and this is again, personal opinion here. He's, we, we talked about Luca does this too. And he does like he does. Luca's like what? Six, seven inches bigger. Yeah, like, he's uh, Luca's legit six seven, right? Like he's huge compared to Trey. Forty pounds bigger yeah. than him. Like can kind of take a beating a little more, and like because we saw this at Oklahoma, like he's not going to run around a thousand screens either. Like it's right. not like part of his game there either. It wasn't his thing in AAU or high school either. Like he he dribbles the ball at the court and he does whatever the heck he wants, and I don't know. He's a professional athlete. He's probably he's in good shape. Obviously, is he in that great of shape though? Like, is is he? Does he look like he's in shape because he's like 170 pounds? He does. He I feel like he does need to put on some muscle. Like that is the one thing that's missing from his game that would help a ton. Because yeah, you, he gets hit a couple times and you feel like, oh man, is he gonna go out here with like a like, I, I don't, like a rib rib injury or something? Like, Steph had a ball cup. He didn't have to be, like, 220. Right. Like, Steph needed to be, like, a solid, like, good muscular 195. Right. And he's basically been that, you know, 190, 195. Like, there's no way Trey's 180. Like, there's no way. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I, I, his program weight might be 180. Yeah. I don't care what it says. I don't care. Like, that dude's, like, 175. You he's know, just but he's, like that's you can't run off a thousand screens because when you're that small and if you really can't take it like from a cardio or physical perspective like in the nba big men will like bump you or jam you like coming off the screen like they'll kind of like throw like a good not foul elbow in you like as you're coming off the screen so mm. You know, like you have to be able to take those hits then. And Steph is really good about avoiding those hits also, but he's also moving so fast and so much. Like you don't even realize your man setting a screen for him, like in the Golden State offense. Right. Like it's so intentional right now with Atlanta, like or blatant, like if Trey Young's in the play or not. Like Steph is just running around, it feels like. Right. Right. You know? So I think that's part of it too, is like if you're gonna run off of screens, like you gotta know how to get separation. Like, especially if your man's hugging you, right? Like, and we, you know, referenced J.J. Reddick earlier when talking about AD. Like, J.J. Reddick like, had to know, like, his man's hugging him because he knows, mm-hmm. like, he's about to get screened. Like, you have to be able to physically fight him off to a degree. And Trey Young, like, who is he physically fighting off? No one. Nobody, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like, this has to matter. And that's why it matters, like, when it comes to, like, draft prospects. Like, it has to matter. Mm. It just like how much does it matter and this is just a flaw in trey's game that you can fix you can get bigger Mm -hmm. so the official nba website has trey listed at 61164 164 really i mean he looks slight ryan like yeah you watch like he does not have these big shoulders he has a very thin frame he has no muscle in his arms like mm. he looks like he's a teenager in terms of like bodybuild, you know? 
Yeah, I mean that that's the worrisome thing about Trey is that it's like IT Isaiah Thomas, the Boston Celtics Isaiah Thomas, like he eventually wore down. Is that because he's small? Maybe. But yeah, like he he's got to find a way to get at a healthier, a little bit healthier weight and bulk up or else like you yeah. said, he's just not going to be be able to withstand that beating. And we've always talked about like Honest to God, the best part of Trey Young's game is not his shooting. It's his passing. Mm. Well, if you're going to run a thousand pick and rolls and, you know, do the whole Chris Paul, like get into the lane, you know, snake around a screen, like just like point God with the ball, like, you know, exactly where you're going to get it to all that. And like, again, Chris Paul, like an undersized in terms of height guard. Chris Paul can take a hit though. Chris Mm. Paul can put someone in jail like behind them and like navigate through the lane. Like, do we really trust Trey Young to do that time after time after time? Like he has the vision to do it, but physically can he do it? And like, that's a real question. Like Atlanta's got to get figured out. Yeah. I mean, that, that goes to my other point is like, just don't panic and trade John Collins at this deadline. Like for the love of everything that is good, do not trade John Collins. Like, I think there's panicking right now, though, based off of the Cam Reddish trade. I honestly don't think there's no way you can trade Cam Reddish and John Collins and DeAndre Hunter for Ben Simmons. Like I, I like that it could be a nice pairing. But wouldn't you rather just have John Collins, who's like a 40% three-point shooter at this point in his career, good defender, proving he could play in the playoffs and unafraid of the big moment? Well, what makes this hard is I feel like the Hawks do think they need to make a big trade. Like, I do. I think they would rather hold on to DeAndre Hunter, just like from a long-term perspective. Mm. like the wing defender and like we talked about it's like kind of taking guys off the dribble now and can shoot but his injury concerns are so real Mm. john collins not an injury concern like at all right super durable does a lot of great things on the court like he does like pick and roll lob threat pick and roll short roll um can just give him the ball in the mid post can catch and shoot threes like John Collins can do a lot. So I think he's a valuable trade asset. I don't know if he's more valuable as a trade asset, though, than he is just as a basketball player for the Hawks. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like, I would rather. So you're saying you would rather just have John Collins? Yeah. And then probably whatever you can get for John Collins, just because mm-hmm. I don't think John Collins is respected enough. Mm. I mean, that is a compliment. Like, I really like John Collins. I just don't like everyone else likes John Collins as much as they probably should. Just what if you watch the Hawks, just watch him. And he comes up with like three to four plays a game where you're like, that was a really productive winning play. And I don't, you can't like, you can't say that about half the guys in the league. Like, could you say that about Ben Simmons? Yeah. No, no, no. The answer is no. So keep it keep John Collins I don't I mean I don't know what else like what other trade is out there that yeah. you would could get back for John Collins and feel comfortable like 
like I'm only doing a John Collins trade if it's like him and one of these other guys we've talked about for like a massive piece back. Like a super superstar. Yeah, but like if that's not the deal, then like don't do a mid level trade. Mm. Like mid level guy for mid level guy here. Right. Right. Whoever. You know. Don't just reshuffle. Sure. Okay, let's move on to the last team here. Yeah. Team that I wish wasn't on the list. <laughs> I you you can take this one, Matt, because this <laughs> is this is your team. This is your Celtics. This year, dumpster fire this year. Talked about him briefly on the last pod. Um, the whole, like, we need a point guard. Mm. I, we got to, I mean, that's, it's where the disappointment lies in. Like, we're somehow 500, kind of scraped our way back into that. I don't know what to do with this team anymore. We've talked about all these teams, like, these teams we've been talking about, like, they're bad teams. They have good talent, and that's what makes them disappointing, I guess. The Lakers have good talent. Um, But, like, none of them are a good team, and Boston is definitely included in that. I mean, I guess shout out Jason Tatum for scoring, like, a billion points. Went for 51 today against the Wiz um, after he couldn't make, like, miss, like, 20 straight threes um, Mm. in the last few games uh, combined. Finally started hitting today, which I wasn't really worried about it, but, like, it's nice to see him go in. Went for a thousand points. That's cool. Doesn't fix the problem. Right. Talking about the Kings earlier, Ryan, I'd give my left arm if we could acquire Tyrese Halliburton. Like, <laughs> there, at this point, it feels like there's nothing Ime Udoka can do to get this team to play the way it needs to be playing. Mm. Like, and I'm not saying Udoka's done a great job. Like, I don't know. It's hard to evaluate, to be honest. It's still his first year. or 40 games in or whatever. Right. Like, I would love to see more motion within the offense. I'd love to see more off-ball screening within the offense. But none of that matters if you don't have players that are willing to execute the scheme or willing to be unselfish passers, unselfish screeners, un, you know, unselfish movers, knowing, like, they're just a decoy mover, like, within the offense. Like, they're not trying to get them the ball, but you got, got to go run around screens. Mm. We just we don't have any of those guys, and that's so terribly frustrating to watch. Like we even have, and I think like it is an advantage when you have big men who can pass. We don't have a Jokic, obviously, and because only one team does. But to have bigs that can pass, like can really open up your offense. Um, and beads learned how to pass. And I mean, now he's finding like all these guys for Philly. Now he's not as good as Jokic, but like he's really become a good passer. And it's mm. getting Batiste some easier shots. It's getting Korkmaz, you know, easier shots. He can run DHO stuff to get Seth the ball and, you know, an open look. We have Robert Williams here in Boston. We have Al Horford here in Boston and like two good passers out of the big man spots. And no one willing to run off of a screen. No one willing to, like, do what needs to be done to win a game. And it's so frustrating. Like, Jalen is an awesome player. Jason, incredible player. Marcus is really good in his role as a defender thing. I don't know. Dennis, is it okay so you want him back? Um, <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> uh, 
And then all these young wings that just seem like the exact same player they were when they came into the league. I guess Romeo Langford's got a little better, but I, okay. How do we have two legit all-star level wings? Mm-hmm. Like a really promising young center in Robert Williams, like a really, our probably only good team player in Al Horford. Some good like specialty guys like Dennis is like a spark plug bench guy. Marcus is like the defender. How do we have that and have nothing at the same time? You know? Yeah. I mean, we've talked about it on this pod a little bit. Like getting the two guys you have isn't necessarily the hardest part of building the team. The hardest part is finding pieces around them to win that championship. It's the last little bit to climb the mountain. And that's always been the hardest part for any team. Like, look at NBA history. So many teams have failed in that, like, chase of building that part of the team. So, like, it's tricky now because you're paying these guys. Like, you've hit the point where you're starting to pay these guys. Like, what do you – like, you have to – it feels like you have to trade Marcus at this point, right? Like, that's kind of the direction this is going. Can you tr- package like Dennis and Marcus together to get something back? Taylor Horton Tucker, I hear he's available this time of year. <laughs> well, it's like when Danny Ainge joined the Utah Jazz front office, like all like the, oh, he's going to try and get like Marcus um, to Utah because they needed like another perimeter defender, which they do. And I was like, okay, for what? They're not going to give us Jordan Clarkson because, yeah. like, he's too important. Like, obviously, like, we're not going to get Mike Conley. They're not going to give us Bogdanovich, most likely. And even if they do, like, Bogdanovich doesn't fix anything for us, really. Um, like, Joe Ingles? Like, Joe Ingles would do the passing and everything. But, like, I don't want Joe Ingles at age 34 going into free agency. Like, and honest to God, I probably don't want the Jazz pick either because we like pick number 26 or something. Yeah. So what are they going to give us? Right. That's like reasonable. And the only thing I'd want is Mike Conley. So, mm. you know, it's not happening. So I, it's so, it seems like this should be so simple, Ryan. It really does. But of course, it's not going to be in the NBA. I'm I'm mentioned it last time and I'll mention it again. I'm very close to like Boston needs a good like kick in the butt year. Like this is not it. Like we cannot keep playing this way. Like this cannot be the roster construction. And if that like I'll take an L this year if the next five years can like be, you know, significantly better. Would, like, Jalen Brunson be an interest to you? Because I feel like you, there's a deal for, like, Marcus and Jalen and, like, Tim Hardaway or something like that. Like, some combo of guards there that gets Marcus to – because I think Marcus is a perfect pick next to to um, Luca. Luca as, like, the defender, right? Yeah. So, I, I personally love Jalen Brunson. We talked about him – what was that a month or two ago as like a, Oh, that was our Christmas episode. Yeah. Um, like, New year's resolution. I think it was, it was, there we go. Somewhere in there, right around that time frame. Of, like, they got to start letting this dude cook a little more. 
Like, yeah, they got to get Brunson the ball. And sure enough, he's been incredible the last like two weeks. Um, it's incredible. You give one of your best guys the basketball and you start winning like five or six games in a row. Yeah. Um, really enjoy that. So that's what makes me think they won't do the deal. But like, you have to be very interested. I do wonder if Brunson is available though, even though he's playing well, for the sole fact of like, I'm not sure Dallas wants to pay him. He's going in free agency. Mm. So I don't know if Boston wants to pay him either though, but he could be a sneaky trade candidate guy for a lot of teams. Um, I mean, you're paying him, you're paying Marcus, what, like 15 right now? Oh, we're paying him like 18. Wouldn't you feel comfortable like paying Jalen Brunson that though to be your starting point guard? Personally, yes. Bull Celtics, I don't know. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. I mean, there's there's a lot of I I mean, maybe Boston has a different perspective on this. There's some trade candidates they probably wouldn't trade with, like the Heat's probably not one. The 76ers are probably not one. Yeah. Uh the Raptors might not be one. Um oh, so if we can get Fred Van Fleet, which again talked about a while ago before the Raptors like have gone on this tear. He would have been perfect. Would have been perfect. And I was so right about it too. But there's no way we're getting him now. I mean, they've kind of slid this past week. So I they they've been all over the place. I wonder if after this slide you maybe could call him up and uh you know make make the case for Marcus deal. But I, I mean Robert Williams trade also. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that's that's a good point. Um, I don't, I don't know what you do with this this Boston team. It's kind of in a really tricky spot. Um, I mean, is Marcus your be- and future picks your best trade assets right now, outside of Robert Williams? Because I would assume you want to keep Robert Williams. I personally really want to keep Robert Williams, but if he, I think this is going to be similar though to the conversation we've had about the Lakers and Taylor Horton Tucker is like, if it's like a Kyle Lowry type guy, you know, like a real, like mm. this guy could like change like your like opportunity to win a championship, like in a really positive way, you don't hold on to Taylor Horton Tucker. Mm. I, I feel like it's probably the same with Robert Williams. Like, like again, a center, you can find a center. Like, Bismack Biombo's tearing it up for the Suns right now. You know, you can find a guy if you really need a guy at that position. Right, right. That's a good point. That's a good point. Anything else you want to add about your dumpster fire of a team so far? Can can we get a new bench? Just, like, like that broad last sweeping statement. Anyone? Bueller? I don't. I feel like the Thunder had to do this at one point where they like totally reconstructed their bench. That's the year they brought in like Cantor and like Deion Waiters and got rid of like Jeremy Lamb. I feel like the Celtics need some sort of trade like that where they're taking really low on this like lottery pick and he ends up just kind of hitting and being in the right situation. And they need a couple of guys like that. I don't know who that would be. Um, I mean, I feel... I just watched Justice Winslow some this week. He looks like a fine player now. Could he come off the bench and maybe create something for you? Uh, it's not like he's this like amazing player, but it, it might be someone to look at. 
and you could get fairly inexpensive. Yeah, like the Josh Jackson, Hamadou Diallo type guys. Yeah. You know, like all that. Like, I, yeah, maybe. Bobo. I guess that's your solution. Bobo. Oh, yikes, then. <laughs> uh, well, that's it for a big topic for this week. Um, Matt, we'll finish out with our League Pass teams of the week. Who you got this week? Who are you watching? I'm going to go with the Spurs. Um, mm. Again, one of these franchises trying to figure them out still. Um, also, in case DeJounte Murray ever becomes, becomes a future Boston Celtic, you know, um, probably not happening since he's balling out this year and might make an all-star game. Uh, the Spurs got the Rockets, the Grizz, the Bulls, and then the Suns next Sunday. That's a good little four-game slate there. That is good. That was nice, like a uh, good slate this week. This week, I'm watching the Can't Trust 76ers. Mm. Um, they got the Pelicans on Tuesday, the 25th. Uh, that's a makeup from a December 19th COVID game. Mm. Then they have the Lakers in Philly on a Thursday night, a TNT broadcast. Saturday, they have uh, the Kings at home. And then next Monday, they play the Grizzlies to end the month out. Um, and Bede's just been on a tear in January, and I, I, I got to tune in to watch some of it. They've been really good this month. Um, they kind of got to finish this month strong and might have a Ben Simmons trade somewhat soon. So we'll see with this team uh, what's going on. But Matt, before we end episode 131, anything else to add? No, I'm good. <laughs> got got all the Boston Celtics angst off your chest, Ryan. Like they cause so much anxiety. <laughs> oh, I remember being in your in your shoes. I remember You're carefree about your thunder. I, I, it's you know, it's great when they lose by like four points. It's like the perfect situation every night. It's amazing. Competitive tanking. Competitive tanking at its best. Love to see it. Uh, thank you so much for episode, or listening to episode 131. Uh, this um, has been an awesome episode. We'll see you back for episode 132. Yeah.